Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. All right, well, last time I was here, I talked about being blessed. It was I Am Blessed Part 2. And I thought, well, what shall I speak on this time? And I thought I'll just speak about I Am Blessed Part 3. How many people think that's a good idea? Yeah, I reckon it's good. And I, I'm not going to get you, actually, I'm going to get you to do it once, but only once, I promise. Because as I said, I don't like action songs either. But I just want you to say it once again. Because this, is, this has got to be something we get into our spirit for this year. You've got to know who you are so that you can do what you've been called to do. That's true for me. I mean, what idiot would walk around with a T-shirt that says one million churches? Uh, this one. Um, and, but I can only do that because I know who I am. And I've got about, I think, 10 of these T-shirts. So if you think, you wear, I've seen you up the street and you were wearing the same T-shirt. It's not that I went home and washed it quickly. I've got another one in my drawer. So here's the thing. You've got to know who you are. And uh, it's very, very important. And this T-shirt, by the way, it, it, I have amazing conversations. I have people getting all jittery when they come near me, when I'm, uh, they see this and they go, oh, what's, what's this guy about? Other people want to come and be my friend. Other people want to make smart aleck remarks. It's quite amazing what impact that can have. But you know, it's got to be about us being, knowing who we are, and if you know that you're blessed, then you can do what God's called you to do. So can you say this one more time? I am blessed. See, I'm convinced that you believe that now, so we can move on. Very good indeed. Well, uh, I'm going to read a couple of the same scriptures again, and then I, I want to open up with a new passage and head a slightly new direction. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. So you've got to know who you are so that you can be sent. You've got to know who you are so you can be bold enough to start a dinner party. And I reckon everyone here should be involved at some level in a dinner party because it's such a great way for us to make friends with people. And, and I want to sort of take this a bit further today. Um, I like what Brownie was saying about, you know, we should be able to come and talk about what's going on in our lives. But we need to take that another step, and that is be willing to do that even with the unchurched, which is where I want to head today. I reckon too many Christians want to walk around like super Christians, pretending that they've got everything together. But I know something about most of you. Not maybe individually and personally. I don't have a bunch of private detectives following you around. But I know that you're human. And I know that you have the same struggles as I do. And sometimes we just need to put our hand up and say, I'm not perfect, but I know one that is. And so that's what we need to do in our dinner parties. In Genesis 12 too, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So the reason we are blessed is to be a blessing. So the first time I spoke back in December, we talked about being blessed. That was more about us. Then we talked uh, two weeks ago about being a blessing. I want to talk more about being a blessing today, but I want to talk a bit more detail about how we can be a blessing to our local community. And that is simply for us to engage the culture that we live in. How many people know that we, although we are not of this world, we are in this world? And that means if we're going to be effective, if our blessing is going to actually mean something and count for something, we've got to be able to connect with and engage with the culture around about us. I don't have to become like the world, but I've got to be able to connect with the world and be salt and light, which is what Jesus told me that I should be. So let's read one passage of scripture 
and then we'll get on with this. It says this in John chapter 20. I'm going to read from verses 18 to 29. It says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Verse 19, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. I want you to get this. Here's the disciples. They're shut away in a building somewhere. How many people know that we can't just feel safe here? We can't just be Christian here. We can't lock ourselves away here. But we've got to be able to get outside. We've got to open the doors and we've got to engage the culture around about us. And it goes on in verse 21 and says, So Jesus said to them, again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and uh, said to them, uh, and, and then they received the Holy Spirit, sorry. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas, I like Thomas, because Thomas is a bit like most of us, called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Pretty amazing words when he turns around and says, my Lord and my God, probably some of the most powerful words in the New Testament. Because all of a sudden on this day, Thomas has a revelation of the majesty and the power of Jesus. And he goes from a guy who was talking about doubt to a guy who then t turns around and says, my Lord and my God, as he, as he sees the gaze of Jesus. And we're going to come back to this in a few moments. But what I want you to see here, it was the fact that Jesus was willing to show his scars that turned Thomas's life around. In fact, it was the willingness of Jesus to show his scars that the other disciples also turned to him. Because remember, they were hidden away in a place, fearful of what would happen, fearful of the Jews. And then Jesus walks in and what does it say? The first thing he did was he says, look at my hands. Jesus didn't walk in saying, look at my shiny disposition. He didn't walk in with, you know, say, look at my white raiment. He didn't walk in and say, look at the fire coming out of my eyes. He didn't come in saying, hey, haven't I done a great thing? He walked in and the first thing he did was he says, look, look at the nail prints in my hands. Look at the wounds that I carry. And if you and I can be like that, if we can be a people that are real, if we can be a people that say, you know what, I'm willing to show you my scars. I'm willing to show you that I'm not super Christian. I'm willing to show you that I don't even know the answers sometimes. I'm willing to tell you I don't know what the heck's going on with COVID-19, but I know someone that does. That's the point. The point is we are blessed to be a blessing. What are we blessed with? We're blessed with salvation. We're blessed with the healing power of Jesus. We're blessed with his prosperity. We're blessed with the knowledge of who he is. And we have the responsibility to be a blessing to others. But we don't do that by walking around in our best Raymond going, hey, I'm super Christian. You know, sometimes they say, you know what? I've got no clue. But why don't we pray anyway? 
Anyway, I've sort of got to the end of my message before the start, but that's all right. I'll just do this again at the other end. Is that okay? <laughs> so <coughs> here we are. So what we've got to understand is from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he made it clear to us that if you hang out with him, we're going to be full of power and we're going to be full of influence. If you and I are believers, we've got to have an expectation that we are, and an understanding that we are full of power. I don't have all the answers, but I do have all the power. I am full of the anointing of God. I am full of the power of God. That's why I can stand up and declare that we will plant one million churches. It makes no rational sense to say that, except that he lives in my life. Amen? There's no rational sense to take up a first fruits offering, aside from what the Bible says and God says. Why, why on earth would we do that? Why would a group of people like this throw $13,000 in a bucket? I mean, seriously. It doesn't even make sense, really, when you think about it. But it makes a lot of sense when we realise that it's him that we serve and it's him that fills us with power. And that was just pieces of paper or however we did it, that we did it. It was just a transaction. How many people know that $13,000 is nothing in heaven? God can continue to bless. God can continue to pour out his blessing on your life and my life so that we can be a blessing to others. I think it's amazing. So we're going to stop living at the rational level and begin to live not at an irrational level, but at a level that requires faith, where we can touch heaven and allow that to happen and release his presence wherever we go. So he calls the disciples... And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, Jesus made it clear that if we walk with him, we're going to help some people. And so that's why I love the dinner party thing again, because it's an opportunity for us to help some people as well as eat. I mean, seriously, how good is that? You get to serve God and eat at the same time. And people like Brownie and I with our shape, we think we're called to do that. Amen. Isn't that right, brother? Yeah. You skinny people, I don't know what you're doing. Anyway. So, but this is foundational to why Jesus came. I mean, his first sermon in Matthew 25, as I referred to before, he tells us to be the salt of the earth. He tells us to be the light of the world. In other words, you're not spending time to wander around and watch me do miracles. You're here to learn something, learn how to help other people. The reason is you are the miracle. The person next to you is the miracle. We like to highlight the miracles that Jesus did, but the reason he did them was not to confound us, not to sort of you know, be a pop star and show us how wonderful and powerful he was. He was just demonstrating what you and I should be because he was the prototype and we are the sons of the living God. You and I have the same power. In fact, we've got the Holy Spirit within us every moment of every day. And that's why he did the miracles in front of the disciples. They, he wasn't doing it to impress them. He was doing it to teach them. This is what you and I need to do. Why are you blessed? So that you can be a miracle to your next door neighbor. Why are you blessed? So you can be a miracle in your workplace. Why are you blessed? So you can go back to school this year after being online for so long and be the miracle in someone's life. Every single one of us are called to be a miracle in Jesus' name. So Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Again, this is foundational to why he came. Jesus says, go into all the world, and then he empowers them with the Holy Spirit. But what are we empowered for? To engage the culture. So to engage the culture, there's some things. Well, one thing I want to tell you that you need to know, 
and two things that you and I need to do. Is that cool? And so let's have a look at that. So, by the way, when I say engage the culture, what I don't mean is fight the culture. I also don't mean ignore the culture. You know, during COVID, it's been an interesting time. I, I, I love the church. Clearly, I walk around with a T-shirt seven days a week that confirms that. I do. I love the church. It's not the number that I love. It's, it's the church that I love. I love it because it's the most important thing to Jesus. That's why I love the church. It's his priority. So if it's his priority, it should be my priority. And so I love the church. I really do. But I've got to tell you, there's some weirdos in the church. And some of you are them. But that's okay. I still love you too. But you know, during COVID, a lot of people just get narky and want to fight the culture and fight the government and fight this and fight that. We're not called to fight. We're called to engage. We're in co- doesn't mean we ignore the culture. I'm not stupid. I know what's going on. But, you know, when I look at Jesus, I don't reckon he was probably that impressed with slavery at the time. I don't think he was impressed with a lot of the things that happened, but you don't hear him actually running a commentary on it. He made the main game the main game. And what was the main game? It was to reach humanity, to create a bridge between man and his father. And your role and my role is not just to be opinionated about things that we really don't have a clue about anyway, but it's to engage the culture and say, you know what, I don't know what's happening with the decisions the government make. I don't know what's happening with the, this new strain. I don't know what's happening with vaccination. I don't care if you're vaccinated or whether you're not. I don't care, what you, I don't care about those things. What I care about is that there are people around me in my community that do not know Jesus Christ. Christ. And you know what? COVID is not the main game. The main game is the salvation of humanity. And you and I, the church, we're the experts at that. I'm not a COVID expert. I'm a church expert. I'm a God expert. I'm a salvation expert. And so are you. Okay. So let's make the main game, the main game. Oh, but what about this other stuff? What about our freedoms? Well, I don't know. What about our rights? What rights? I'll tell you about your rights. You have the right to serve Jesus. You have the right to do what he says to do. Amen? (laughs) I know a couple of you are offended because I said that. But I love you. I still love you. I do. Because that's what I'm saying is I don't, I don't mind whether you, I don't care what your opinion about vaccination is. I don't care what your opinion about the government is. But, but it's not the thing we should be talking about all the time. The thing we should be talking about is what the preacher talked about last week. And his name is Jesus. Because Jesus is the hope for all of humanity. You want to know how we're going to get past this season? It's about Jesus. And sure, we're, we're all smart enough to realise that we are in the end times, whatever that means. Whether it's the last you know, five years, ten years or hundred years, it's still the end times, you know. So I'm not expecting necessarily that Jesus will rock up next week, but he might, you know. And I want to be ready. And I don't want to be there having an argument with someone about the, the politics of what's going on as Jesus is coming in the clouds. I'd rather get caught sharing my faith with someone, loving someone that needs to know him. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to go, oh, yeah, that's true. We, should. we are pretty powerful. See, remember, that's why Jesus did miracles, so that you and I could, to show us that we are full of power. And so I think it's good. Do I have opinions? Of course I do. I just don't need to express them all the time. What I need to do is tell people that there is a God in heaven that loves them in Jesus' name. <laughs> but then he goes on. <laughs> so the first thing we need to know is, uh, is pretty scary, really, because there's risk attached everything I'm saying. 
So I've just got you all pumped up. Now let me let you down slowly, okay? There's risk attached to this. It's not just plain sailing. Everyone doesn't love you when you tell them about Jesus. Everyone doesn't love you when you preach a message like I'm preaching now. There are some people that won't like you. There's some people that don't like me. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. Not Julie, by the way. She thinks I'm all right. Jesus says, go into all the world. And then he says, I'm sending you as sheep amongst the wolves. That's pretty. How many people are feeling fairly motivated right now? How many people are looking around and thinking, where's the wolf that's going to eat me? You know, I mean, I, I used to get scared watching that. that oh, that was the, was it, uh, it was the three bears, not the three wolves. That shows how good I am with nursery, nursery rhymes. Anyway, then he goes, you need to be as wise as servants. And then he says, as they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So Jesus says, I'm sending you and there is danger. I'm sending you and there is risk, but I'm sending you full of power so that you can overcome. The risk is real, but the power to overcome is more real. My reality is that I go into circumstances, to be frank with you, even on a functional level, where there is great risk as we try and plan a million churches. But I am full of power, and I'm able to rise up above those things. I won't tell you all these stories right now, but in the future maybe we'll touch on some of them. But I've been held at gunpoint. I've been blown off my feet in, uh, in a bomb blast in Lebanon while I was talking to people about planting churches. I've had my hotel blown up. I've barricaded in myself in a hotel with a, a Muslim mob trying to get through the door. I've, uh, you know, I've had so many different things happen. And you go, oh, well, we probably won't volunteer to go on a mission trip with you. <laughs> Quite the opposite. You should stay very close to me. Because obviously God's preserving me for some reason during all that, you know. But here's the thing. There's risk. There's risk to reputation. Those, there's physical risk, to be honest with you. They don't matter that much to me. But yeah, then there's risk to reputation. There's risk to, to whether people will like you or whether they'll... Because they'll, they'll, um, yeah, understand what I do. Now, if I was just a normal pastor, and there's nothing wrong with normal pastors, by the way, pastoring a church, then other pastors would really like that. But I'm a threat to a lot of people because I believe at this level. How many people know that we're going to make a decision one day to either just believe what yeah, the status quo, oh, I'll just believe, yeah, I'll just believe for a little bit. I'm not believing for a little bit. I'm believing for the end game. I'm believing for a million churches just to be the platform for us to build on so that we can take this world in Jesus' name. That, that, that's risky to say that because a lot of people, even faith people, will look at me and go, you're an idiot. What are you saying that for? Or they'll, they'll go, oh, I don't, I, that's a bit suspicious. Where does he get all his money from? Where does he get... Uh, who, I don't give a rip about that, to be frank with you. Because Jesus told me I'd be wise as a serpent. He told me there'd be wolves amongst the sheep. He told me that, you know, that if they didn't like him, they won't like me. So I'm not trying to do this to be popular. I'm doing this functionally because I believe in the kingdom of heaven and I believe every single human being needs an opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is that's why we'll plant a million churches and that's why you'll get involved in a dinner party that's why you'll begin to look over the fence and think about your neighbor in a different way so what do we need to do well to engage the culture we need to firstly go to the next level you see you and I live at levels amen how many people know you're living at a level right now we live at levels financially, relationally, in our careers, in our ministries, whatever it might be. I, I may have spoken to you, I talk about levels all the time, I don't know, I can't remember talking to you about it recently, but uh, levels are an interesting thing. And for us to really do something significant this year, 
and I know people say this at the start of every year, but 2022 is an opportunity. We have an opportunity off the back of what has been a, a pretty horrific time for most people. But what it's done is it mean, means that most people are more open than they've ever been before. People are confused. People don't have answers. But we do have an answer. And for us to actually put a footprint in the city of Maroochydore and then touch generations and then touch nations, we need to rise to a new level. We can't operate at the same level as we were before. And uh, I, think, I always think about the same story because I remember when I had a TV set, uh, well, we had a TV set when I was a kid. We were the first people in our street to get a colour TV. Still brag about it today. It's amazing, really. Shows how important it was to me. And we had this colour TV set. It was awesome. None of the other kids at my school had a colour TV set, but we had one. But I remember one Sunday, uh, I was there watching a cartoon. You'd think I should be in church, but I didn't know God then, so, uh, and I wasn't allowed to go to Sunday school. And anyway, I'm there, I'm watching TV, my mum walks in, and the blighter, she turns the channel, she gets... And this is in the old days, where you didn't have a remote control. You had to exercise. You had to get out of your seat and walk to the TV and go, click, click, click. And so she did. She got out of her seat and went click, click, click and changed the channel to some stupid program that I didn't want to watch. It wasn't a cartoon. And I'm sitting there going... And then my dad walks in. He looks at whatever she put on and he goes, oh, click, 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 because he wanted to watch the car racing. And then I'm there and I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm about seven years old, six or whatever, whatever I was. And I'm fuming and I'm thinking, I'm going to watch my cartoon. So I got out of my chair and I walked up to the TV and I went click, click, click and I broke the handle off the front of the TV set. So now the knob that used to, now there's just a stick hanging out the front. My parents look at each other, shake their heads and they walk outside. And I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Oh, I know what I'll do. So I went out to the shed and I got a shifting spanner. And I come in and I put the shifting spanner on the front and tightened it up. It's about that long. And then I could change the channels. I could go click, click, <laughs> click. And I got to watch my cartoon. Well, you go, well, why are you telling us this story? What's this got to do with levels? Well, it's got a lot to do with levels. Because about three months later, I invited one of my friends from school to come over and look at my colour TV set. Only the shifting spanner was still on the, top, on the front. And so I walk in and I said, what do you want to watch? And I get it and I'm going, click. Click, it's like, a, it's like an old crank on the front of a car, you know, trying to get the thing going. Click, click, click. And he goes, why have you got a shifting spanner on the front of your TV? And I remember looking at it thinking, oh, doesn't everyone have a shifting spanner on the front of their TV? I got so used to what, where I was. I got so used to the level that we we're at that I was comfortable with using a shifting spanner to change the channels on my TV set. And you go, that's a silly story, but you know what? You and I live at levels as well. There are things in your life, things in my life that we have just decided that we'll put up with. We'll go, well, I'll just live at that level. It's okay. I can get by there. I can get by with this much finance. I can get by by if I only have a fight with my wife once a week it's okay, you know. I could get by with, you know, coming to church and doing this or doing that or whatever. How many people know? But sometimes we've got to stop and say there's another level. It's time to take the shifting spanner off the front of the TV set and get a new TV with a remote control. It's time for us to say, you know what, we're not happy with a group of people like this. We want to, we want to create a problem, a problem where we're going to house the people with or without masks with or without vaccinations. That's not the issue. The issue is the people. And so we've got to get to a place where we say, I'm going to go to a new level. Well, a million churches is a level for us. But a level for you could just simply be, this year I'm going to reach out to my next door neighbour and invite them to something. Or tell them a little bit about what's going on in my life, 
in Jesus' name. See, if we're going to engage the culture, we're going to do it at a level and we've got to decide what the level is. You see, heroes are the people that run into the burning building while other people are running out. And what I love about that when I think about that as an idea, because Jesus ran into the burning building when other people were running out. And he ran in and he grabbed me. He ran in and he grabbed my next door neighbour. We've got to be people that are willing to take a risk. Risk our reputation. Risk being misunderstood. Risk whether, whether they'll like us or whether they'll talk to us. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? There's one thing that matters. One thing that matters is that people know who he is and they can respond. Jesus demonstrated how to mix with all sorts of people and we should be just like him. He mixed with little kids. He mixed with religious people. He mixed with women, which back then was not the done thing for a Jewish male. He mixed with minority groups, with sick people, sinners, business people, rich people. Jesus was, like Paul said, all things to all men. And you and I need to be exactly that if we're going to engage our culture in Jesus' name. We need to be relatable to the people and the culture of Maruchidor. That's why, and I'm not really, I'm not here to talk about COVID stuff. That's, you can do that in your own time. It's banned. You're not allowed to talk about it at our house. But the reality is, we've got to get past that as a level. And so there's something more important. If we're going to reach the people of Maruchidor, we've got to talk to them about things that really, really matter. That's about their eternity, about the fact that we can help them get it a financial breakthrough, relational breakthrough. We can pray for them when they're sick. Yeah, I know that not everything works out, but that's not the point. People are not looking for perfect. You understand that? People, sometimes our appearance of perfection is what puts people off that don't know God because they can't identify with it because their life is not perfect. So we've just got to come to a place where we're willing to say, you know what, my life's not perfect either. But let me tell you about someone that is. And he loves you just like he loves me. And if we can do that, if you and I can do that this, this year, that means we're going to a new level and we become relevant to the culture that we live in. This is good. This is good preaching, this. I might, can I order the... Um, the there. I'm, I'm going to order it. Thanks, I'll get a discount. It's good. Get on your brownie, I like you. See, Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman at the well. He forgives an old, adulterous woman and sends her accusers packing. He heals a sick man on the Sabbath. See, Jesus wasn't worried too much about what was happening around about him. He was doing what his father had called him to do. And that's the next level for you and I. It's, it's saying, you know what, there's a lot of things. Now, there's a book, I can't remember who wrote it now, um, but there's a book in, 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 in this book, <laughs> I can't remember the name, it was called Circle of Innovation. And the book, in this book, it talks about a circle of influence and a, a, a circle of concern. You know, I'm concerned about a lot of things. But one thing I've learned at Metamorphic and for us just in our ministry is not to operate from my circle of concern, but to operate from my circle of influence. See, I'm concerned about what North Korea are doing. I'm concerned about what's happening in China. But no one there cares what my opinion is. I'm concerned about what's happening with COVID, but I'm not a COVID expert. And no one's listening to me in my commentary on COVID. It's just an opinion. I just end up being a loud, clanging noise in someone's ear. But let me tell you something. I do have a circle of influence. And my circle of influence is all centred around the cross 
and around Jesus and about what he says. And that's the place of power. And my job and your job is to increase our power of influence. But we don't do that by spending all our time in the circle of concern. We've got to stay in the circle of influence. And if we do that, God gives us more. How many people know the whole thing of stewardship? If you do something good with what God gives you, he will give you more. You want more influence? Do something well with what we've got. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. It's what I'm talking to me about today. If I can do better with what I've been given, God will give me more and we can win this world in Jesus' name. I love that. All right, the second thing we can do in closing is... We can show them our scars, which is the passage of scripture we started with before. See, Jesus walks into the room and he shows them his scars. And, and the Bible says that they were glad when they saw his scars. Now, I think about this for us. Some of you know our story, but uh, our life has not been perfect. And I could pick many things, but the thing that probably caused the most anguish in our lives ever was when our daughter passed away in our arms. She was three and a half years old, died of cancer. And I understand for me as a father, Julia as a mother, we're faith preachers. We're pastoring a church at the time. I forever, week after week, lay hands on the sick and they recover. I've prayed for people when they get out of wheelchairs. I've prayed for people that were born blind who received sight for the first time in their lives. But I couldn't get my little girl to get past that. You understand how difficult that is? And you go, well, why are you telling us this story? Well, when our daughter passed away, I've got to tell you, we, we weren't very happy with God. Didn't want to talk to him. Didn't want to pray. I was, I was a pastor. I didn't want to go to church. Well, I, I did go, of course. Didn't want to go. Didn't like it. In fact, I had lots of interesting discussions with God. I think I called him names that if I told you what they were now, you'd probably say, please don't invite this guy back again. God had less problem with it than what you would because he's a father who gave up his son. So he understood the pain. He walked with me during that time, walked with Julie during that time. You say, what's that about? Well, when I'm in the Congo and I'm standing in front of a group of people and I'm trying to inspire them to plant churches and they look at me as a white fella with an expensive watch on, shiny shoes and a nice suit and they've come from a war-torn existence of horror and tragedy. They look at me and they go, oh, nice message. But you don't understand us. And then I stand up and I say, I do understand you. I'll show you my scars. I'll show you what we went through. I'll show you how hard it was for me to get back in the saddle and preach a message of faith after my daughter died in my arms. And as I tell that story, even in places like the Congo, and tears begin to go down their face, their hearts open up and all of a sudden, because I will show them my scars, they will listen to the message of what God wants to say. The reason I'm telling you that is you've all got scars. You've all got things in your life. Do not walk around trying to show that you are perfect. Being a Christian, being a good witness is not about walking around saying, oh, I've got all the answers. And oh, You have got all the answers in Christ, but you don't have all the answers at the living level. Amen? And so if we want to reach this world in Jesus' name, we've got to do what... Why did Jesus walk into the room? It was the first thing he did. He didn't walk in and go, whoa, hurrah. He walked in and said, hey, come here, guys. Have a look at my hands. 
A lot of people look at Thomas and they go, Doubting Thomas, yeah, get they call him Doubting Thomas. I don't call Thomas Doubting Thomas. Which of the disciples didn't doubt? Because Jesus had already said what he was going to do. What did they do? They went and locked themselves in a room because they were full of fear. They were locked in a room, not knowing what was going to happen. It was only when Jesus walked in and said, let me show you my scars, that all of a sudden they stood up and thought, hang on, this is coming together. And if you and I will show our scars to our next door neighbour, if we'll show our scars to people at the dinners, we'll show our scars to, to our wives or our husbands or the people we work with and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I do know one that does. His name is Jesus. And you know what, I don't know everything, but one thing I can do is I can help you to know the one that I know and he'll help you and it won't make every problem go away but man it'll be a whole lot better than if you didn't know Jesus that's what I do when I tell people that story and you say well why did you tell me that again just simply because I want to give you the encouragement to have courage and show people your scars don't pretend to be something you're not now qualifying statement do not be one of those people that dribble on and wander around telling everyone all their problems all the time I show my scars when there's a kingdom benefit to be had. I don't ring people up, you know, I don't try... Here's how you know whether you're doing that. If you're telling the story because you want sympathy, you're a goose and you should get over yourself. If you're telling the story because you want to empathise and reach that person and help them move forward, then that's got a kingdom outcome attached to it. That's how you know when to show your scars. Is that okay? I'm allowed to say that? Just lost another couple of friends, that's all right. So that's what he did. And so I think about this in Scripture, you see it all over the place. So I want to say thank you to Jeremiah because the Bible's full of people with scars and stories. I want to say thank you to Jeremiah because after being called to preach in chapter 20 of Jeremiah, he says, God, you deceived me and I don't want to preach anymore. Wow, that's pretty honest. He was honest with God. I want to say thank you to Abraham who after being promised so much acted like an absolute goose and tried to bring about the plan of God through his own hand and made a massive mess that's still having a ripple effect through the world today. I want to say thank you to David because he was a called a, a man after God's own heart, but he murdered a man for his wife and then committed adultery. I want to say thank you to Elijah who said in the midst of being one of the greatest prophets ever, he calls out, he says, I wish I could die. I want to say thank you to Job, whose life fell apart. He was mocked by his peers, but he finished with double. Ha, I love that. Show me your scars. See, people don't want to see our sanitised version of Christianity. They want to see the real thing. See, we are blessed. Amen? I'm not going to get you to say it again. I'm on, you know. <laughs> I am blessed. I, I am blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. And the best way you and I can be a blessing is to engage our culture. Go to a new level. Show them your scars. And remember, your story counts. Every one of you have got a story and it's powerful. So often... And I have finished, by the way. But I just want to say this. So often we think someone else's story is powerful. But let me tell you, your story is powerful. I, I used to think, when I used to hear people that had a testimony about how they got off drugs and did this and do that, I used to think, oh, 
if I had a testimony like that, that'd be amazing. And that is a great testimony. I don't have a testimony like that. I was successful. Had everything I would want as a natural human being, but I didn't have Jesus. That's my testimony. And I one day I met him and I got saved. So don't think that your story is not powerful. It is powerful. And my question today for you is will you make a commitment today to remember that you're blessed, to say, yes, I will be a blessing and I will engage the culture this year in 2022. In fact, I'm going to start now. If that's you, I know I do this every time I come, I want you to stand to your feet, raise both hands to heaven and I'm going to pray an anointing of breakthrough on you to really engage this culture and rock it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for these people, Lord. I thank you for their heart for this community. And Lord, I pray that they would be blessed to be a blessing. Lord, I pray that you would give every person here an anointing of breakthrough to engage the culture. Lord, we pray for our city now. And Lord, we ask that you would use us. We don't ask you to send someone else, but we come like Isaiah and we say, here am I. Send me to engage the culture. God, give us the tools. Give us the skills. Lord, I pray for a spirit of courage to come on this church that we would reach out and touch the hearts of people. And Lord, I pray that as we are real and we show people their scars, that they too, like Thomas, would call out to you and say, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.